Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pole String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Mark. God, I'm lit this morning. You are, you've got all the coffee in you. I'm very, I do. I'm Every of drop of that coffee is in me. Yeah. And we've got a, we have a full day planned. And I want to start off by introducing you to our guest, uh, Philippa Bizu de la Vigna. Hello. And Thanks. I get to call you Bizu. Bizu. That's Bizu. My friends call me Bizu. Oh, nice. And uh, so our friend, we have a mutual friend, Chris Jeffries. Yes. Who, um, I want to thank her. As, uh, yes, as, as everyone who listens to the show knows, um, I don't know anybody, but um, everybody knows somebody, and they send me notes and say, Mark, you have to have this person on the show. Mm-hmm. And so uh, welcome. Now, you're representing a nonprofit called the Santa Barbara Transgender Advocacy Network. That's correct. And... Tell me how t- I'm really interested in that organization. I'm more I'm as interested in how you decided to form a nonprofit. But why don't you tell me the the genesis of that organization? Well, um, let's see. So, identify as a transgender woman. I really only came out in public in 2014. Oh. So I've always knew. And uh, when you say always, I'm sorry. Always. How old were you? Uh, about four. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, but I didn't have the words or language, which sure. will use that kind of um, that idea in our speak about our youth. Um, and uh, so um, I was walking down into the sunken gardens, and they had a thing called um, Love Period. It's interfaith community during the uh, uh, annual Pride events, which are usually in August in Santa Barbara, put on by Pacific Pride right, Foundation. Right. And so I was walking and I had a couple friends I came out to and I said, you know, I'm not sure what this is. Like, it's called questioning in a lot of ways when you're looking at uh, your gender identity um, and how that repercussions of that may be. Anyway, um, so I was walking around the sunken gardens and basically the, the uh, love period was a really interesting way. It was a heartfelt moment in a sense that they were there to announce and apologize to the LGBTQ community of the past issues and regressions and even violence towards LGBTQ persuasion by religious institutions. So it was kind of a, and it was beautiful, it was filled, there was choirs and the different churches were there. So I walked around and um, I was, looking around and I was just worrying about people staring at me because I was, of course. you know, I was, I was not as confident. And uh, a little girl hopped up to me and tugged on my dress hmm. and said, are you transgender? Oh. And I said, um, I, you know, I was thinking, I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a kid. They can read you really quick. And she goes, I'm transgender too. I think she was about six years old. Wow. So I was like, hmm. So she skipped along to a table and tugged on someone's dress, possibly her mother's, and kind of pointed 
my way. So I went over and introduced myself, and that was uh, Trans Youth Santa Barbara and the first uh, Santa Barbara Transgender Advocacy Network group started by three parents of transgender-identified children. Here in, in Santa in Barbara. In Santa Barbara uh, in 2015. Relatively new. Yeah, this is a very new organization. So mm. I got to talking to them, and, you know, I've been doing – I was doing public radio for a while. I, I just have a very interest in commerce and nonprofits and organizations. I'm, I'm always hungry to find out about people. I'm, I'm kind of a natural networker in a way, which is – I'm president of the organization sure. now, so I do a lot of talking and meeting. Um. Anyway, they called me up later. In 2016, we formed a board, uh, January 2016, of a group of parents of transgender youth. Now, these people, these parents, are quite courageous. And so this is a unique organization. There are many transgender organizations growing and LGBT-type growing in the nation and internationally. But this is uh, intersectional for sure, and we are bringing more transgender-identified adults. But um, I know this is a long story, but this is my story. We have, we have time, so yeah, we're fine. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll sit back. Yeah. Pause. Okay, so we formed a board, and really the mission was we have a growing population, a growing, let's say, demographic sure. of youth that are popping up everywhere in schools and communities and families that are identifying other than the normal binary gender, that is, a male or female which you were assigned at birth. So these parents were often confused. They look deer in the headlights, a lot of them. So they go, well, where do we get the best practices to support our child? Because it seems to be we're at the demarcation line here of our child going south, mm. basi basically. And, and I know this from the history of adult transgender community and even the gay population, is that they were stressed, you know, prone to all kinds of, you know, abusive, self-abusive relationships, not mm -hmm. getting along to school. They could see that. That's what and you mean by going south, would be like like falling prey to all of the kind of classic struggles that, that have, have plagued people. Right. Question. I yeah. guess I was referencing something old from a Jack Nicholson film. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they really, they said, this is where I stand. I'm going to support my child. I'm going to learn everything they did. So a lot of them, um, well, the first three, they ventured down into Los Angeles mm. and found some support groups. Uh, there's an extraordinary group of physicians and, and health professionals at the St. John's Medical Center. They have a gender clinic. Uh, was maybe not a part of the children's clinic at the t at now. Um, they said, well, they found a support group. And then all of a sudden the group started, they formed a support group, and then it started growing. So they started having it in Santa Barbara. Uh, I will say PFLAG, which is an extraordinary organization, really is the foundation of parents with then L uh, lesbian and gay identified P uh, children. And this is an organization, uh, PFLAG, P-F-L-A-G, and I don't know the actual description if I get it wrong. But this is uh, organizations of parents who formed a base and a lot collectively under uh, a lot of churches, uh, a lot of religious institutions. Is that, that seems surprising. Is that surprising to... I, I am very surprised yeah. uh, having been, uh, 
a recovering Catholic, but um, you know, <laughs> aren't, we, aren't we all? You're doing yeah. great. Yeah, I'm a, Protest, a recovering no, Protestant. Well, yeah. no, that's another topic for another time. I'm really uh, in tune to about what interfaith has done, huh. and um, you know, those, you know, there's it's a broad uh, definition of you know of uh, what is being loving and accepting of community and people, mm. and that that's interpreted differently throughout the country. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, PFLAG, I just wanted to make a plug out to that. Um, anyway, we formed our board, and by then there was, I think, 20 families in the transgender youth. We formed a board, uh, mostly parents and I. There was a few trans-identified people, trans-masculine, non-binary, another trans-feminine person that are invited to the table. Um, so we thought, well, what's the first thing we do? Well. We get calls from people about they're in a tight place. Child comes out transgender, having mm. trouble at school. Maybe it's a bathroom issue. Parent doesn't mm. know what to do in accepting teacher, principal, etc. So we formed uh, basically a cultural competency training. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I like that. So it starts with gender 101. Mm -hmm. What are my pronouns, which you were so kind to ask um, in, as I walked in the door. Mm -hmm. uh, also about the differences between gender assigned at birth, your presentation of gender, your mm. identity as gender, mm. and your sex or your sexual uh, um, preferences. They're all separate and distinct things that could collapse a lot in people's conversations. At the very onset when a transgender person enters a school or a business, you know, or a, you know, affiliation. Um, so it's real basics. It's, my name is Bizu. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And you're welcome to apologize when you get it wrong. Because mm. I apologize all the time. Because I have many, many uh, trans-identified people that identify as they and them. And mind you, this is a growing, growing demographic in the youth. This is really what's exploding across the nation and the world is this non-binary. So we'll get into that or not. Um, but the idea is that we learn to, to, uh, to apologize. So these are the basics of gender pronouns. Mm. So some people are like, well, I don't want to do this, or why should I say they? I'm, just apologize and move on, and it's a, not a big deal. And that just, that opens up a huge area of respectfulness and in interaction. Right. One thing that crosses my mind, because we've had, um, we, we talk about diversity here a lot. I remember we had the neurodiverse. You mean here, here, in, here the, in the show? In the show, sure. We, we, we talk about there's diversity in the workplace. And what is interesting about the people who are on the spectrum when we had that conversation mm -hmm. was that it's only been in the last 20 years that this has been a thing, been identified, and we could, we could label it. And now it feels like this understanding and appreciation of youth starting then they grow up and go into the workplace feels very new within the last 10 years just in, in my brain why do you okay different the question is has this always been the case that we've had transgender uh folks but we didn't know what to call it we hadn't put our we hadn't been able to label it well there's a, a long history of transgender identified people as there are in the gay community and lesbian and even bisexual which has been that's a real hot topic. 
you know, for a lot of people to just come out as bisexual. But gender is a different thing. It's separate from sex. It has nothing to as do with sexual said, preferences. Right, right. So people may, uh, in you know, with history. But for me, it's actually learning the language and then knowing that there are pockets of safety. Mm-hmm. This is what I started with when I first went to a counselor. Hmm. It's like, where are the pockets of safety to express who I am, uh, as I was questioning years ago? as like, what is this identity? And uh, I understood a lot about my own confidence and my, my accomplishments and, and failures in life. I'm, you know, I've run businesses, I've climbed mountains, and I've had a fairly full life, then identified as male. Um, but for most transgender people, it really has to come from knowing that they're congruent, they're okay about their identity. Then it comes to how do you make relationships right. and build out in the community. Who are you in the community? Obviously, we have many faces and masks in our community. We're business people. We're nonprofits. We have religions. Yeah, so that kind of answers it. it um, I can't speak for all transgender people, but it's been around. <laughs> and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just amazed how many ex and current people in the military identify mm-hmm. as trans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to say something to you. It doesn't really have to do with masculinity is an inherent thing or femininity or not so it's been interesting you know I've been really I'm really grateful to know about the whole scope of the transgender community I went to the LA trans pride some years ago and I really got to see the spectrum meaning Mm. there were so many trans identified men non-binary asexual agender trans feminine cross-dressed, you know, there's this whole umbrella we call the transgender. It really is an umbrella term. And so can people have that in a context? Um, Even some people, you know, say that they're uh, transsexual, you know, it's not used as much. I know that's a charged topic for a lot of people, especially the transgender community. But given that, you just have to identify who the person is. So we come back to Mm, what are your pronouns? Sure. sure. Uh, I apologize for getting it right. And uh, let's move on. And then there's this respect, and you get to know, and you get to ask. And we'll talk about, you know, where we go with medical support. You mm. get to ask as a physician, you know, as a health professional. You get to ask what your identity is, you know. So. And, and a lot of that has, I think, that, that personalization of, of treating each individual that you meet as that, as, as, as an individual is fascinating. I'm, I'm interested um, in, the, in, in the idea of... Um, I grew up as an artist, which was uh, was is is not comparable to, to growing up uh, uh, trans, but but certainly has a certain amount of reconciliation in my mind. Like I had to reconcile that idea that I was I was not comfortable in certain situations. But I am so fascinated by the idea of a six year old having a strong support structure all the way through mm-hmm. their life, mm-hmm. so that so that by the time they're 18 or 19 and they're looking for those safe pockets, they're not kind of running towards the military as maybe that'll be a safe harbor that'll fix me or get me through this or whatever whatever other strategy somebody might enter the military with. But um, I'm just, I'm fascinated about that idea of like not, you you arrived into adulthood with, with, with whatever your struggles might have been. Um, can you imagine you being six or when you were four and realizing who you were, having a support structure all the way through? Or having parents that that would, um, you know, be but would immediately go find a network to support you. Well, you know, that's the source of 
a lot of my inspiration, my gratitude, and my heartfelt connection and my confidence in myself of who I am. Mm. You know, I've no longer put myself in a kind of a box. Like, um, for me, I thought transgender maybe like I had to be high femme or mm. ultra feminine mm. to pass. It's about passing. I know a lot of girls that call it in trans feminine, I call it going stealth. Mm. Same with trans masculine and stuff. It's like how to like they move around the world and keep their jobs, you know, and thrive, and yet, uh, you know, not be what we call clocked or noticed or be harassed or violence. It goes from there, mm. you know. So um, my connection is that I feel so confident about who I am and how I present may change, you know. Mm. <laughs> And uh, how I present may change, but with the spectrum of the youth that I see and then the, the wisdom and, you know, the relaxation and the authenticity of who these mm. children are, because they really don't have a lot of language skills right. or right. socialization. Mm. So that's with that six-year-old, that was the thing. I was like... You know, she really is clear about it, and her parents supported about that, you know. And it wasn't a phase or, like, they're hoping to, you know, it'll be a thing, you know, and they'll just grow out of it. It really is an identity. And so whether, wherever they go with their identity, especially in this non-binary paradigm, this is neither male nor female. That's why the they, them uh, pronouns are so important. Mm -hmm. I've got a question about the cultural competency class. Uh, it feels like there is an opportunity, and you may already be doing this, to put this together for employers. Yes. Um, we, we, this is really apropos for this conversation we're having. I really appreciate it. Uh, having been a business person, small business person, and things, I'm, I'm really clear about the connection from um, culture and commerce. I'm really clear that it's one and the same. Hmm. Uh, just, just imagine. I remember listening to one of your nonprofit uh, interviews about you know the giving, but you know the, the the context shaped from giving to like, well, who are we as a business and a community? And it folds. And I'm very interested in our cultural competency trainings rising to the next level, not only in the medical domain, which is really our focus in this year. Sure is that so we can have a trans-affirming medical community, which we do not. Mm. I mean, it's growing, sure. and we do that by training. And the cultural competency trainings is we do lots of schools. We've, we've taught and trained many, many, many school districts, uh, fire departments, you know, emergency responders. It goes on there. We have had some uh, response, and this is really an organic sense. This is really a sense of what... When our vision and our mission is to respond to our community's needs rather than you know, pushing an agenda that's further out like, well, we could have this. We just respond to what our community needs. And so we had one uh, youth, uh, high school youth, that went to a Starbucks in locally and uh, said, well, I identify as trans masculine and this is my name and uh, this is how I present. And, you know, I'm a student, I, you know, good grades and they said great we're gonna the manager was all for it and hired because it's it's about business it's about serving and you know there's a certain sense of of engagement in you know the business world and um, the market of ideas is generated by business in a lot of ways um, anyway he called us up 
and said what we're interested high in. High school kid or the Starbucks manager? I'm sorry, manager. the Starbucks manager actually called us up and we want to manage. So we went That's on That's an us. enlightened manager, yeah. I would say. Yeah, well, people can see as a manager, sometimes you can not necessarily be colorblind, but you're realizing this is about business, but this is also about building community. Once again, right. commerce and right. culture, yep. right? That's yep. why nonprofits and businesses sometimes get along and sometimes don't, is they're like really engaged because their business is a representative of the culture of their community. So they said, well, what can we do to learn about this? So we sent them information. We did a small training. So this is great. So this is a ripe idea for us to discuss and engage. It's a big question for me. The question is, what kind of, how can we engage in commerce and community? And we do have trainings and we have a lot of resources for that. So how how would I'm, I'm thinking now of the um, of SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resource Management, which is the kind of the umbrella organization nationally for HR professionals. And I'm curious, have you looked at what they're doing, and is your goal more than just Santa Barbara, but to you know kind of work at a national level? right around policy and affecting like how are HR departments working with this because this it is it clearly about education so I'm guessing you're kind of plugged into that network and have you had those kind of conversations yet uh, no that was a, that's a resourceful uh, idea and a tip so I'll look into okay that. <laughs> okay because um, you're writing the textbook right now right or well it's not a textbook anymore but you're essentially building the manual we are, you know, and the, you know, we do that through, you know, to back up is that we respond to what our community needs are. So mm -hmm. there was three families. Now there's over 65, by the way, really 65 in three years. Time. So that's what I'm saying is, is that those are 65 potential employees. Well, we have 65 <sighs> families of transgender youth. Yeah. Yeah. So in there's the, right. at least 65 right. kids. Plus there, right? we actually opened a center last year called Lisa's Place. We got a fund for uh, a grant from the Fund for Santa Barbara. I just want to, you know, put a shout oh, out to that. them for yeah. capacity building, especially Gary Clark oh, yeah. and Marcos Vargas. Oh, yeah. Um, know them extraordinary all. Extraordinary supporters of, of uh, a spark of what they see alive in a community or in people. And they say, we want to support that, but you need to learn how to elicit and actually make a conversation and put your commitment out there on what you want to do. Yeah, tell people. What, so what is the Lisa Center? Lisa's Place. Lisa's uh, Place. We actually uh, named it after a longtime transgender advocate. Oh, I get a little emotional. Oh. Um, Lisa, and she's been a longtime advocate. She worked for Pacific Pride. Uh, Lisa, I guess I'll say her last name, Gillinger. She's, you know, um, she's a local attorney, actually. Mm. And we recognize her work. She's on our advisory board. You know, and um, we opened the center, not sure what we were going to do, but we are, um, you know, we've been housed by, um, we have our offices and our board meetings and our support groups for trans youth and adults at the First Congregational Church. So we actually went out and actually got a center, which we don't talk about on, on in public about the location. But that center is where we thought youth, the adult community would come out. Mm. Or the the or the young adult, we weren't sure what the hidden community because now we have this youth community, which is you know transmasculine, non-binary, transfeminine, and parents who are learning as they're going and supporting. So Lisa's place has become in a year's time a really extraordinary place where now even teens are showing up 
at our drop-in days, drop-in evenings. So we have a drop-in center. You know, we have couches and computers, and we have a, you know, a video room, and you know, it's building based on the needs. And Is there a, a contact? How would they? How would a, a youth maybe listening to this or a parent? How would they contact or find me? Uh, we're on Facebook, Lisa's Facebook, Place Santa right. Barbara. That's there a start. And yeah. also, I run a, a couple of meetup groups, a transgender Santa Barbara transgender meetup group, which is kind of an introduction, mm. so we can. I wouldn't say vet, but we just want to see people who identify in the spectrum, the broad, broad spectrum. Or it or feels allies. like there's. I've heard so many new words in this <laughs> in this uh, half an hour. That's wonderful. Um, that uh, that you know there are lots of I- interesting I- ideas there, and I'm thinking because this show was listened to all over the world. So, and I'm curious if someone is listening, how they might. Um, become an activist or an advocate or however, whatever word that looks like in, in, their, in their community. And I know that you're doing an event um, here that's coming up uh, very quickly. Normally, we don't talk about events because someone's <laughs> going to listen to the show two years from now. But um, tell, us, uh, what you're mo- tell us about the show quickly, but then what you're most looking forward to in the show. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> So thanks for that plug. Um, we are putting on our third annual Trends Day of, of Visibility. So that gives you a context of longevity, and we're here for the long run. It was actually started in 2009 by an af- activist in um, uh, Michigan, transgender af- activist. And it was a response to, um, to show our celebration and bring awareness, being visible, what transgender uh, right. community is. Because there's another event usually november it's always november hmm. it's trans day of remembrance and it really is a solemn and that's a national yes got it national got actually it. trans day of remembrance is international got it. and trans day of remembrance is a is a vigil a candlelight visual hmm. to honor um the deaths and the violence that sure. occurred and it keeps growing every year there's a unfortunately yeah but th- so visibility is about our celebration mm-hmm. so what is it to mean be visible for me sometimes i feel like it's a political act being on in public just 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 going out in public is is a certain amount of uh, is is a is a political act uh, in a way because it conjures up not uh, uh, beyond some people's uh, discomfort mm. or or curiosity or um you know, how they want to engage, which is why business is so important because you're engaging in community. Sure. Um, I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it was about, you know, the, the poly- we were talking about the, I want to get back to the event. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell me wh- how, how this event shapes up and, and, and I understand this, you, you quickly said, well, we don't say where the location is, and I, sure, and I know that there's... No, that was just the, for Lisa's place. Right, no, no, I got that. Yeah, but okay. there's But the potential for, for... There's violence and just people... There's trolls everywhere, and I mm-hmm. got to imagine that, you know, that's a challenge for mm-hmm. you. So let's go back to the event. What's going to be the highlight of the event? Well, this year's event is called Hearts on Fire Fashion Show. Oh. So every year I kind of think... Well, how do I engage another part of the community that we have an affinity for or who are curious? Like the first year, we held it at the MCC Theater, and we invited Jennifer Jane Lightham, who's the most extraordinary, one of the best left-handed bass players in the nation, in the world, who actually transitioned and then played with Doc Severson, Mel Torme, you know, uh, these big bands. Extraordinary. And she has a story. 
And this is another inspiration I had some years ago. I met a director at a film festival. And, and her film is called I Stand uh, Corrected, which is actually a play on words. The great title. So we, we brought, we brought uh, in the jazz community and the musical community at UCSB. So, you know, they have a, a great... And, and it turns out the drummer, uh, Randy... I'll think of his last name. The drummer for that uh, group is actually... He was like a TA or a, a assistant professor in the music community. So we brought in not only our members and our families to feel we can express ourselves how we are, which was through art and singing and, and telling stories, is that we brought in another part of the community. So this year we're doing fashion and art and telling our stories. So it's, it's big. And really the inspiration I have to give out to one of our new board members is uh, a woman named Tiffany. Uh, and she is an artist and uh, also an events planner. She said, look, I really feel for you as an ally. We can talk about mm -hmm. what an ally Ooh, is. I super want to talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that soon. Uh, and she says, I want to do this big, you know. Uh, I've got someone who gave us a donation. And we can have a little barrel theater. I'm like, wow. 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 So this is what's visible. And so as you, you talked about, you know, like trolls and things, is that in one way I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of an experiment. We're really going public here in mm -hmm. a 600-plus mm -hmm. sure. seating environment. But... It seems to fit so far for everyone's expression, although I will say the people who participate are on different uh, paradigms of, like, they don't want to be acknowledged or they're not out in public for various reasons. Maybe their families aren't mm. accepting or maybe their schools are not out in this way. So that's why we have this great safety and caution for our youth and family and adults is that they come to our area so they can be themselves and then explore what they are. I mean, I'm out in public, you know, and there are days I don't want to be out in public, but uh, most of the time I'm here. And I do that through engagement, engagement in community and business and what have you. So the Transgender Day of Visibility is a Hearts on Fire fashion show, and um, we have all kinds of Is it of a day-long thing? It actually only goes for about four hours. It'll be... April 7th. Okay. Okay. Who, what, where, and how. Yeah. April, <laughs> April 7th. Yes. And it'll be at, start at 5 o'clock. We have a VIP lounge for our sponsors. Sure. Um, we have um, uh, an auction. We have some music. And we have an open bar. Mm -hmm. It is a family event, by the way. And we'll have organizations that are from different areas uh, that we partnership with that I've been building coalitions in North County, Ventura, San Luis Obispo, and even some from L.A., um, what you'll find is we'll get a broad spectrum of that transgender identity through fashion. Mm. So people, instead of telling stories or like doing cultural competencies, talking about our gender one at a time, you know, there's other ways of language and expression through art. And I will say, I want to add that we found an affinity in New York artist Linda Stein, who actually has an exhibition called The Fluidity of Gender. Mm. In town, uh, it was at SB Cast downtown. Now it's at Via Maria at the uh, Morris Squire um, Squire Foundation House. They just had a big event last night. But I was just following my nose in an email from an artist said Linda Squire will be in town, and she has this artwork that talks about what is gender, and she actually makes these wearable sculptures. Huh. And uh, so we'll have a couple of those sculptures on. Uh, on uh, stage. So I want to get a shout out that we've 
we've kind of connected this year with this art community. So art is like science for me, and in that you're expressing a paradigm or you're, you're pushing the limits of conversation and questioning. And that comes right back to the gender and the, the identity of our community. It's blowing up everywhere. Tickets available at sbtan.org. You had said you wanted to talk about Tiffany as an ally, and, and ally was a loaded word for you. I could tell the way you <laughs> asked that question. Yeah. <clears throat> I was uh, speaking with a friend of mine uh, from Los Angeles the other day, an artist friend, and um, we were talking about gentrification, and we were talking about, uh, in, in general, uh, living these lives of privilege and wanting to be allies, this desire to be an ally to uh, different groups. And one of the experiences she had had was to say that um, she had stepped into uh, a community uh, that was being gentrified, and she was saying, I'm, I'm here to be an ally. And they said, you don't get to pick. It's up to us to decide that you're an ally. Oh. And so what we were having this conversation about was, was how do we behave like allies without necessarily grabbing that territory for ourselves to say, oh, I'm an ally. So I'm, I'm like, like almost like we're giving ourselves self-permission to participate. And I was more interested in, in, in that of like how, how can we best serve um, a group uh, like this and be allies or work as allies without, without stepping, overstepping our, our place. It's, it's kind of like a paradigm of Black Lives Matter in a way mm -hmm. for people who are Caucasian or of, not, of other color is that you definitely are chosen if you're an ally, but it really starts on the streets as far as the transgender community. If you see one, someone who's not uh, being affirming, uh, you often can step up in, in a more of a, hu in a humanity sense mm -hmm. of decorum on the street. I mean, obviously we're not interested in anger and violence towards anybody of any diversity or of anybody for any reason. And, you know, lots of times we leave stressful lives and we have these particular constructs of how we fit into pockets for our own safety or for our own economic gain mm. uh, and, and even religion. So uh, stepping up and saying something is the same thing as stepping up for a woman on the street and maybe being accosted, you know. And um, that comes in many terms. And learning, la learning to use language uh, is, you know, an elevated, uh, you know, attribute of someone who has equipment, uh, equanimity, you know, people who are not necessarily educated, but people who have a sense of humanity. Hmm. That's an emotional intelligence, you know, equanimity. For it to be autonomous in a, as a transgender person requires uh, your own self-led uh, self um, identity to be authentic constantly. And when you're in public or you're in a situation like a doctor's office that you're not being affirmed to your identity, it takes away part of you. And a part of that takes away, we have that thing we call dysphoria, um, which some people thought it was yep. a disease, but, you know, and it's a different level, but, you know, you could, people can understand, you just don't feel in the right place at the right time, or you don't feel authentic in the way you're expressing. But yeah, just stepping up for that. Other than that, this is why we come out and do our trainings. People just have any inkling of a curiosity or want to be trained to be how to say proper gender pronouns and apologize because I apologize daily when I get pronouns wrong. And so you move on. And once you get there, then there's a lot of resources available to train yourself and 
things like that. So we, we do play that part in, in educating. So I think to answer your question. Oh, are you going to answer my question? Okay. I'm going to I'm going to connect the dots. <laughs> okay. I like to connect the dots. Okay. Is if you recognize someone authentically wanting to be an ally, you're going to because authenticity is so important. You're like your radar is lit for that. You're going to notice. I'm going to guess. You're going to feel that from someone that they authentically want to learn. All they have to do is ask. Yeah. Just by starting there. That you just ask. It's like asking permission to be in someone's space. uh, Hmm. Hmm. I am. I am caught by the. um, There's a lot of that uh, struggle of of being willing to apologize, is counter to um, this American culture. air quotes, American culture of, um, you know, showing, showing weakness, that, that an apology is showing a weakness, and that fear of, of looking weak mm. immediately in a conversation uh, is, is maybe one of those, those, those things that inhibits. The other, the other um, question I, I kind of have inside of that is, um, is it, when we walk down the street, <coughs> and by we I mean in general, anybody who's, who's, who's walking down the street, and we, we categorize who we see and we try to place them into uh, a frame of reference to say, oh, that looks like a grandmother, oh, that looks like a, a child, or oh, uh, that looks like a, um, a businessman or a, or a housewife, or a, you know, all of these classic terrible terms, but, but our brains start categorizing people. And how, how help, help me stop that. Help, help me change that. Help me uh, uh, adjust or adapt that. You've already actually noticed, so that's a mindful expression of what you're, you're saying. So that's already you're noticing. So that's a mindfulness. Mindfulness when you're walking down the street also has to do with inherent trainings and wiring of our neuro uh, system of, like, to be safe, uh, like cars, traffic lights, people. Huh. And so we read body language. And then one thing is I actually study as a somatic therapist, kind of reading body language and working with people on a more subtle uh, biology basis. So, and I've learned to be, uh, I noticed I was more hyper alert <laughs> about safety. And, sure. And, and um, uh, often what women are like, they have a if you study uh, neurobiology with women, uh, is a, a thing called diffuse perception. Huh. And rather than a focus in a male focus, there's this awareness all around you. But I think that's actually a trait that is built and rewired in everyone who is more mindful. I think the frontal lobes of the brain, I'm, I'm getting a little abstract, but no, no, you're right. the frontal lobes <laughs> of the brain yeah. is that we rewire all the time. We have a plasticity. Yep, that's right. And so the plasticity is from our environment, our social engagement, our environment, which is you know, started at birth in our engagement with parents, uh, a child looks at the parent for expressions and that shapes the brain. Hmm. So safety is in a lot of about the face. So I can read, I can read body language really well. But once again, we go back to asking, like I want to be an ally. I also read body language just because I'm hyper vigilant. Hmm. And I would say a lot of diversities probably could express that. Um, And so I don't think this is that complex. You've already said, well, you know, <laughs> gender paradigm is like anything else. When we started talking about, um, you know, with art, you know, art and physics, you know, where the the evolution of uh, cubism was also about quantum physics. There was this relationship. So I'm just throwing stuff out here. And do now it, you're, do you're it. seeing it who I, do, I am when I freestyle. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, you're 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 pushing boundaries, and I think art and physics is much like culture and business. Is that there's certain things a business adopts maybe faster than government, mm. you know, mm-hmm. faster than policy, faster than culture. The culture tends to go much faster, actually. The culture is built in a more of an expression of a community building resources, you know. And so we have a small culture that's exploding all over the world with transgender youth. And they're looking to build resources and rewire the, their brain is rewiring, but our adults are rewiring our brain to how like, we're, you know, at the end of the day, you, know, you might need a stiff drink, you know, sometimes as a parent, but in other ways you have other ways of coping. But just remember, everyone's trying to cope on the streets. And so looking for violence, being safe, having an ally is just being more mindful and just considering. Um, and it usually comes from a personal change, you know, for every single person that decides to be an ally, like a business or a school, because they know in the context, this is better for business, this is better for community, this is better for, uh, you know, you know Chamber of Commerce, you know, they'd be nothing without being allies to every kind of business startup. I mean, just look at the Hispanic community or women. You know, the South Coast Business Time was really amazing that, you know, started honoring women with their top 100 every year, you know. And, you know, they can read the context in a bigger society. And the same with the Hispanic community and the Eastside Clinic and building a foundation, an economic force. I really think the transgender LGBT is a huge force that's not tapped into. Mm. I'm currently reading a book on culture where the the premise is and we've talked we talk about culture of the workforce and the workplace a lot on the show and it's it's I'm personally very fascinated with that but in this particular book he introduces this concept of safety and I've heard you say that six times mm. and I cuz that is resonating with me right now around a great leader will create a safe place for all the employees to be safe for fresh ideas, safe from harassment, safety in a lot of different ways. But there's also um, I, my Star Trekness would be um, <laughs> the shields are down. My shields are down. I'm I'm going to be vulnerable. At TED, we say uh, tell a story you've never told before. Be vulnerable. And don't try to sell me anything from the stage. Being vulnerable is is you can only be vulnerable when you feel safe, right? And so I think it's interesting that you are doing what you're doing. Thank you for the leadership role you've, you're playing with this nonprofit. I would encourage you to see how you could even do more with businesses. There's a local chapter of the human resource professionals. Go give a talk. Let's, you know, let's get get some awareness going on that. I want to wish you a ton of uh, success at your Hearts of Fire event as well. And as my listener knows, as we start to wrap the show up, uh, we love to have the guests put a title on the show so that that title, when someone who's maybe come into the podcast from another episode and they're thinking, what am I going to look listen to next, right? What will interest me? They'll look through our... Nearly 180 episodes, sir. It's absurd. Yes, uh, and they will pick a title for that. What what um, uh, should we call this episode, Bizu? Um, 
You know, I think like when I came in the door, my big question and what I'm interested in, 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 we've actually created a conversation here about what's potential for our organization and for the economic community. So what is the potential for a inclusive, or maybe I should say, what does an inclusive community look like in business and culture? So, so now I need to say that in four words. Yeah. That's a great subtitle. Okay. What does an inclusive community look like in business? I so, got that. Uh, visibil- gender visibility mm. oh, they're done. in the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I knew you'd get it. <laughs> we some, oh, some, I like this. I want yeah. to come back. Some of our guests, there's this little moment where they're just kind of like, like they, they, they freeze oh, okay. having to name it. And then other ones we have that are, are just shocking, they just, they just rattle it off. So um, Mark loves to put people right in that moment. Well, I, I felt like my shields have been down. Oh, good. And, oh, very good. I really felt Great. that we could talk authentically in a conversation. And uh, we, we have. I really appreciate um, your expertise and your thoughtfulness and your mindfulness. And if people, uh, I'm going to guess that um, our listener, you, I'm talking to you, um, might have more questions or might be interested or might want to figure out what's going on in their community and they really don't know where to start. But it, this has touched a nerve or it's, it's just a little interest. They want to learn more. Can they go to S, that I should it's yes. sbtan.org, so it's www.sbtan.org. And they can contact you mm-hmm. there. Info at sbtan.org. Perfect. Um, uh, we have a board meeting, meets once a month. We have support groups. Um, we, of course, have leases placed for people who are identifying or questioning. So that's an area to start, to be safe. Um, and we're very interested in engaging people how they want to play with us. I'm, right. I'm right. always looking right. for what's alive in people. Like at that moment, what do they want to engage in? How can they be an asset? Which is why we, a nonprofit, we're always doing those three things, which is, you know, creating awareness, uh, building volunteers, and of course, uh, raising funds. Yeah, know. of course. Yeah. We've got to, got to pay rent and feed people and do all that good stuff. We're a very lean organization, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much thank for you. coming to be on. And Chris, I know you're listening. Thank you for. Uh, introducing us. I also want to thank California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, send us a note to partner at 805connect.com. And Patrick, how could our listener help us right now? I just, I want to make sure we got everything on the notes. Did we do everything that we needed to do? I just wanted to thank, if I have time, yeah. uh, some of our collaborators. Would you We're, oh, sure. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my I mean, time. I don't yeah. actually have the list of sponsors, so I apologize. That That's Tiffany's job, but we have some great people on board that are helping, helping out. So um, Diversity Collective in Santa Barbara, or in Ventura, a great organization. They actually have an LGBTQ resource center that's just jumping up, doing extraordinary work. Uh, I want to thank um, TCC, Trans Central Coast. They're in San Luis Obispo. They're a precursor to us. They've been around many years and uh, were an inspiration, uh, doing great work. Hope, House of Pride and Esperanza, brand new group in Santa Maria. So now we have this community that we're building and connecting. Throughout the 805. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously Pacific Pride and PFLAG, the Interfaith Alliances, Fun for Santa Barbara. Uh, Also, I didn't mention this, Trans Can Work. 
Uh, I think this is a topic for the future. I've been wanting to have Michaela Mendelssohn, who is the uh, president of Trans Can Work, which is she's the CEO of El Pollo West. She owns a bunch of them. And she actually started the first transgender hiring in the North LA County, and she actually hires transgender people. She's all over the internet. She's actually uh, been working with policy on the state level for the new SB 396, which you can get into later. You can look that up. It's uh, basically affirming and, and harassment training for transgender LGBT. But Trans Can Work is another powerful national organization that's building this context that you asked earlier about economic vitality for transgender right. people. Will you um, send us a note with all those links, I'll put them in the show notes, Absolutely. and then that'll get attached to the file that goes out all over the internet. Terrific. Uh, so we'd love to help in that way. Mm -hmm. That's how I think you can help our show, is by uh, rate, write, review, uh, let us know what we did right and wrong, and also uh, research all of these places and, and uh, find a way to be an ally. I would love to hear from you if you have quest any questions or you have an idea for a guest. That's I love those emails. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com, and thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>